in many cultures uh, around the world to this day, the naming of children is a really big deal. Years ago, um, we, Andrea even more so, helped a uh, refugee family from Bhutan get settled here in Seattle area. Um, when the young woman uh, in her mid-20s, I think, uh, a few years um, gave birth to a child, we got invited to the naming ceremony. And it was an amazing event, all day long, elaborate rituals and a big feast afterward. It was, it was really a lovely event, event to be a part of. The name itself was given by the priest, the Buddhist priest that was there. And uh, I don't remember the whole story, but there were a lot of different factors that were taken into account in naming the child. Even within the waspy culture of which I am a part of, and which several of us are, I won't point fingers or name names, um, but even within that culture, there, is, there are vestiges of the importance of naming a child. Um, Andrea and I took into account our heritage uh, and the original meanings of names. There were a few names that I loved, and then I read the original meaning, and I'm like, oh, no way. I could never give that to a child, because <laughs> if they ever look it up, they're not going to be pleased. Um, so the meaning of names is something that I particularly started taking note of during my time in China in the 80, mid-80s. I'm really intrigued by the impact the meaning of a name has on the person given that name. How much of it is a foreshadowing by the parents um, versus how much might the child be influenced by the name? As an example, I was a young man, a uh, young adult, before I found out that my name meant Dark River. And when I read that, it struck a chord with certain events already from my life. And it has come to mind in the years since then as somewhat of a theme. Um, so a name can reveal a great deal about a person and for the person. That is certainly true of Matthew's perspective. In our story this morning, Matthew essentially proclaims that everything a person needs to know about this child that has just been born is revealed in his name. And that that revelation encompasses not just the child, but the whole of creation and God and history and us. From our vantage point, two millennia later, having known this story about this child, um, the fullness of his life, his death, his resurrection, we often wouldn't think of or, uh, we know what the future is, and so this, this particular moment may not seem like as much 
as it, uh, to us as it did to those whom Matthew was writing. We have to remember that Matthew was trying to pull together in one written form, one written story, all these various pieces, bits and pieces of Jesus's story that were told by word of mouth, shared stories, word of mouth. There were a few things written down, but they were all sort of swirling around. And Matthew uh, was one of the ones who tried to say, okay, wait, let's, let's bring all of this together into one story that we can present to people so that they will know who this child, the, who Jesus is. And yet for Matthew, even uh, this one part about the naming of the child reveals both who he is and what he will do. And this was significant, especially for those just hearing the story for the first time. Um, you may have noticed, even though it says that this is how the birth of Jesus came about, there's actually no discussion of the birth itself. Uh, Mary, even, hardly appears in this version of the story. There are some who think that Matthew may have only had access to stories that had either been from Joseph directly or those who knew Joseph, um, and that Luke particularly had access to the stories from Mary and that side of things. Um, so again, uh, he's trying to pull together the, this one story, but he only has part of it from Joseph's perspective. In Matthew's retelling of the story then, uh, Mary is barely mentioned, but Joseph himself, I don't know if you noticed this, Joseph himself never speaks. We hear about him and some of his actions, but we never hear from him. So even Joseph is taking a backseat somewhat because the emphasis for Matthew is on the Holy Spirit and the name that is given to this newborn. Um, again, in verses uh, 18 and 20. This is how the birth came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Uh, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. And in verse 20, um, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Contrary to popular opinion, the more important part here is not that Mary was a virgin and that somehow protected uh, the holiness of Jesus at his birth. The emphasis, rather, is that the Holy Spirit has somehow been involved in the conception of this child. Several commentators I read pointed out that uh, there are similarities between this story and those of um, the pregnancies of several women in the Hebrew First Testament. Sarah, who gave birth to Isaac, was very old and thought to be barren, uh, but she conceived a child with Abraham after an angel appeared and said that it would happen. Hannah, the mother of the prophet Samuel, had a very similar experience, years of barrenness, and then God 
shows up through a messenger, the conception happens, and um, a child is born through this sort of divine uh, encounter. And even when Matthew, in our story, brings up uh, this quote from Isaiah about the virgin giving birth, the emphasis is on God bringing about something special that is beyond human ability, ability alone. Um, R.T. France, a, a British theologian, writes, it's argued that Matthew depends on the Greek word parthenos, which is, translates virgin, whereas the Hebrew original, Alma, means only young woman, which is true. Yet, Isaiah's use of Alma, even, was unusual. Nowhere else is it used in connection with childbirth or even marriage in the Hebrew scriptures. So that its use in Isaiah 7.14 even is remarkable. Even though it technically just means young lady, uh, France writes, it was perhaps an indication that Isaiah was thinking of a birth outside the normal pattern of childbirth. So in citing this passage from Isaiah, this particular one, um, Anna Case Winters, who's an American theologian, writes, uh, believes that Matthew is also seeking to highlight the extraordinary significance of the child and the role of the Holy Spirit in signifying this. She writes, Matthew heightens the sense that in this birth there is a special working of God. It echoes the extraordinary conceptions of central figures in the history of Israel uh, who were born to women thought to be barren. Their extraordinary conceptions were taken to be signs that God had a special purpose for them in God's saving work. So from Matthew, God does have a very special purpose for the child born of Mary. And that is revealed in the name that Joseph was commanded to give him, Jesus. Now, of course, Jesus is the way we say it in English. In Greek, it was Jesus. And that is a Greek form of the original full Hebrew name that was Yehoshua, which means, uh, well, which we say in English usually Joshua. Um, Yehoshua in Hebrew means that Yahweh, or God, is the one who saves. Yahweh is the one who saves. God is the one who saves. That's the meaning of the name Jesus. The angel who appeared to Joseph in the dream wants to make sure that Joseph gets it, understands, and so he even interprets it for Joseph. Uh, don't be afraid to take Mary home. She will give birth to the son, and you uh, will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That's the great work that Jesus will accomplish through the fullness of his life and his death and his resurrection, the saving of all people. The angel is proclaiming that this child is the one to fulfill that other uh, vision from Isaiah that we heard read from our Hebrew First Testament reading. Behold, I will give uh, my, put my spirit upon 
my servant, my chosen one, and he will bring justice to the nations. And it goes on about giving sight to the blind and releasing those in darkness and being a light for the Gentiles. I am the Lord, that is my name, is what Yahweh said in this vision, in this story. And I won't share my glory with another. And here, centuries later, is Matthew saying, this is the one that Isaiah was speaking of. This is the one who Isaiah proclaimed and now is, has arrived. Um, the one who will save his people, Jesus. And Matthew hears in that name as well as God who saves us. He hears another aspect of who Jesus is and what he does that he reveals by tying in the birth of Jesus to uh, the scripture from Isaiah in verses 20, 20, 21 and 20 uh, through 23. We hear that she will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people. All of this took place, Matthew relays, that the Lord had said through the, what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with a child and give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. But that's not the name that Jesus is given. France, R.T. France, again, helps us see how is it that Matthew gets Emmanuel. Here's Emmanuel from Yeshua. The point is not, France says, that Jesus ever actually took the name Emmanuel, or anybody called him that, as an actual name, but that it indicates his role, bringing God's presence to human beings. This meaning is related to that of his actual name, Jesus, Yeshua, in that it is sin which separates human beings from God's presence. So that salvation from sin results with God's presence, God with us. Matthew's stress on the meaning of the name suggests that he saw in it a clue to Jesus' person as well as his work. Jesus was himself God with us. And the assurance of the continuing presence of Jesus in the very last part of this gospel, Matthew's story ends with Jesus saying, Behold, I am with you, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. So here at the beginning, God is with us. At the very end, God is with us. This is the whole framework for Matthew's gospel. Matthew hears Emmanuel, God with us, in this giving of the name God saves. So for Matthew, the name by which we call the baby born in the story, Jesus, means in full, the God who saves us is with us. The God who saves us is with us. All of that is contained in the name Jesus. Dale Bruner uh, shortens this simply to God saves. To think of Jesus' name as meaning God saves. But encourages us to remember the fullness of the meaning revealed for each word. He writes, Jesus is to be that rare person 
whose name means exactly what it says. God saves. God saves is not only Jesus's name, it is his perfect definition. If both words, God and saves, are taken with full seriousness. seriousness. If either word is diminished, so that Jesus is maybe an exalted representative or an instrument of God, or even a kind of son of God, but not very God of very God himself in person. Or, on the other hand, if Jesus is indeed really helpful with our problems uh, and generally assists us, but does not utterly rescue us, liberate us, really save us deeply and dramatically, then in either case, it's not... Jesus is not God saves. That word becomes diluted, that he is only sort of like God, not sharing the very same substance with God. The name Jesus is to be invested with its full and literal signification. Jesus is the God himself who saves us himself. And Paul Put it this way in our New Testament passage, Jesus Christ being in very nature God, God with us, didn't seek equality with God as something to be grasped and made himself like a servant. And being found in appearance as a man, humbled himself even to the point of death on the cross. And therefore, God raised Jesus to the highest, the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. That at that name, the name of Jesus, Paul says, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's beautiful, but I will admit that every time I say the word or not every time I say the word or hear the word in my mind or hear it from others do I drop to my knees in reverence and in awe. A lot of times when the name Jesus comes out of my mouth, it has nothing to do with Jesus at all. So we, most of us probably have a ways to go with our reverence at the name. But that's part of the reason why we come back every Sunday and we read the scriptures over and over again. It's to be reminded, to be reminded of what we are saying when we even say the name Jesus. The names we give one another and the names that we use for one another are important. They can reveal disrespect and hate or they can reveal respect and love. And if the only name that we had for God was Yahweh, I am, if that was the only name by which we knew God, I would imagine that many of us would feel like God is imperious and distant. But God gave us a, another name by which to be known. Jesus. God is with us and God saves us. This is what we are celebrating at Christmas. 
God has come to us in love to heal us and to give us life. God with us to save us. God has come to us in the birth of a baby who was given the name Yeshua. The God who saves us is with us. Thanks be to Jesus.